0: Albany to Astoria and Buffalo to Bedford Park. It's 5 p.m. in the five boroughs and across the 62 counties. And so it's time for Max and Murphy, your interview and call-in and show about the policies, politics, and people of New York City and New York State. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org.
1: This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Jarrett, good to see you. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. You, Ben?
1: Good, good. Not too bad. Uh, what's uh, What's top of mind for you? We're going to be joined. We have a couple great guests lined up for today. We're going to have some very interesting conversations in just a few minutes. We'll be joined by State Comptroller Tom DiNapoli to update us on his thoughts on the state's financial picture, fiscal picture, and state budget negotiations, which are heating up ahead of the April 1st deadline. A lot happening in Albany.
0: And that's definitely the top of my uh, political interest meter is all the different issues that are breaking out around the budget, whether it's marijuana legalization, property tax cap, criminal justice reform, uh, the question of imposing a pit or tear tax, obviously the congestion process pricing debate gets roped in there, Uh, the budget in New York State always and increasingly rolls in all these other issues. And this year, it just seems like there is an absolute smorgasbord of things to talk about budget-wise and a lot of debate on each of them.
1: Yeah, it's a fascinating time. And it's also got this added layer of the first budget negotiated under the new Democratic majority in the state Senate, where after basically a decade without Democrats having full control of the legislature, you have Democrats... Democratic majorities in both houses... Governor Cuomo, a Democrat, and you're still seeing, of course, there's always going to be some fault lines, you know, top different priorities, different outlooks on fiscal issues, policy issues. But of course, we're seeing some of that. And we're also very much seeing Governor Cuomo uh, take shots at this new Democratic Senate majority, kind of undermine the majority. He's very upset about the Amazon deal that went away. So even with all the Democrats in charge, you know, we're seeing some fraying, some differences, is, you know, but that's also the budget process, of course, you have to negotiate and and get to a compromise.
0: The other element that is new to this budget process compared with at least the last few years is a certain amount of economic uncertainty. These have been flush times for the the city, certainly, and and for the most part for the state, at least relatively stable times. But now, both because of some question about the overall economy and whether there's some softness there, and particularly the impact of the Trump tax cuts and how that affects government revenue in states like New York, there is an element of uh, uncertainty that hasn't been there, uh, I don't think, since Governor Cuomo's first term coming out of the Great Recession.
1: Right. There's definitely some fiscal restraints. One of the most interesting topics of discussion, which we'll definitely hit on with Controller DiNapoli, is questions around restraining spending, how much is in reserves for the state, because, you know, there are some indications that at some point a recession is going to going to hit or or that growth is certainly slowing. Um, it's been an unprecedented period of growth coming out of that great recession. So what controls are needed to be put in place around spending, but then really the other side, what are the revenue raisers that are being used, not used, scaled back, continued? You know, There's an added millionaire's tax that's been in place for several years that Governor Cuomo and the legislature appear very ready to extend, but then there's also calls to add to that to uh, increase the progressivity of the tax code, but it doesn't seem like there's appetite for that in the state senate or from the governor, although there is from the state of Assembly, you know, so issues like that. And then there's the marijuana legalization issue, which seems to be dropping out of the budget. It seems like they're not going to get to an agreement before the budget. And they were trying to peg in some state tax revenue. From marijuana legalization, not into necessarily this budget plan, but to have a framework in place that would start to yield revenue down the line. So then they talk about other mechanisms to bring in revenue if the marijuana legalization and
0: is that not marijuana going to be there. legalization was going to be part of the revenue picture, in addition to congestion pricing, uh, to underwrite uh, the transit plan and the, the rescue of the city's uh, subways.
1: From some people's perspective, right? You know, from others. Maybe some of the money was going to go there, but they want other, you know, other uh, portions of marijuana legalization revenue to, to go to, you know, build up communities that have been, uh, you know, over policed or over enforced on on marijuana issues. So, very complex topic. Before we get to Comptroller Danapoli, you mentioned criminal justice reform in the second half of the show today. That's going to be our main focus. We're going to be joined by Tina Luongo of the Legal Aid Society to talk about um, the, advocates and and folks that she represents, uh, what they want to see out of Albany. Criminal justice reform is another issue that may be slipping out of the budget and into the legislative session to follow. So that'll be very interesting to track. And we'll get uh, Tina Luongo's perspective on that in the second half of the show. So stay tuned for that.
0: But why don't we bring on our first guest to talk about some of these budget issues and some other topics of the day, and that is State Comptroller Tom DiNapoli. Uh, Mr. Comptroller, welcome to Max and Murphy.
2: Nice to be back with you guys again.
1: Good to talk to you again.
0: So before we get into the
1: economic outlook and state budget picture, you released a new audit today that uh, our listeners certainly who are mostly based in New York City will be will be interested in because it applies to New York City schools. So why don't you um, explain a little bit about what you released today?
2: Yeah, we did an audit to uh, check on the implementation of DASA, the Dignity for All Students Act, that uh, the state law adopted a number of years ago, really to provide a safe school and learning environment for students to really get to the issue of bullying, discrimination, harassment that happens too often uh, at a school, uh, You know, whether that's because of one's uh, sexual or gender identity, race, religion, uh, and so on. We, we did an audit uh, of schools outside of New York City that we released uh, several months ago. We found some challenges there, particularly at the staff training level. And uh, we released today our audit of New York City Department of Education and how they are ensuring compliance with the Dignity for All Students Act. And frankly, similar to what we found with school districts outside of New York City, similar situation in new york city Uh, more work needs to be done certainly there's an awareness of the requirements of the law and a concern certainly for making sure students uh, go to school in a safe uh, environment that being said the implementation has fallen short uh, in a number of ways we see some confusion at the staff level as to when uh, certain incidents should be reported as is required some confusion about the definition as when to when an incident rises to the level of being reported so uh, really the recommendations are for a new york city doe to make sure that staff is adequately trained and understands uh, you know what their requirements are under the law uh uh, you know, we found situations where uh, many schools weren't reporting any incidents at all, uh, and that you know right away was a red flag. That you know, we certainly know that this is still a problem in schools. Or uh, when it came to categorizing what the uh, the incident was, uh, it, they couldn't categorize, so they just checked others. So there were certain red flags that said, you know, there's really seems to be a more thorough understanding of what what students need to be operating in a safe environment. So uh, I hope New York City DOE, as uh, I think they've indicated, uh, will. Uh, accept our recommendations and move for a more effective implementation of the program.
1: Yeah, I was shocked by the, your finding of hundreds of schools not reporting any incidents of of bullying or harassment to the state. Yeah. It's is fairly shocking
0: i guess a devil's advocate question might yeah. be though i mean it's an interesting uh, conundrum if a system is is not reporting anything how do we know that it's underreporting so what's what's the basis for uh, you know just to play devil's advocate assuming that there there are a lot of maybe bullying is is not as common as we thought is it possible that that there is uh, you know some of this underreporting reflects that the it's it's simply not as big a problem as as we had feared
2: wouldn't that be nice if that was the case <laughs> uh, but I think it's fair to say that, uh, that that's not the case. And you know, when you're when you're talking about in 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 uh, the school year ending in 2017, 570 schools out of uh, out of 1600, you know, no incidents at all for an entire school year. It, it kind of strains credibility. Um, it would be nice if your devil's advocate position, you know, w- w- you know, could be proven. I, I suspect that would be hard to prove.
0: Let's shift from bullying to the economy. We want to talk about the budget, but I think we also want to get your impression of what the outlook for New York State and the U.S. economy is. There's been a lot of talk about this recently, whether a recession is coming, uh, what it's going to look like, what the time horizon is. What do you think the outlook for New York for the next you know, year to two to three is economically?
2: Well, you know, no no one has the crystal ball to know for sure, but you know, most of those that look at the numbers suggest that we are going into a lower growth mode. It's certainly, you know, our expectation from the investment perspective, you know, with our pension fund. And so we're seeing some signs of slowdown in in the state's economy, and and I think most at the national level project that as well. Part of it is that we've had uh, a a strong recovery uh, after the depths of the Great Recession that's gone on for a long period of time, so you've seen that with the stock market as well. So I I think you know the news still for New York as a whole is is positive because our economy, particularly driven by New York City's economy, uh, is strong uh, relative to many other states. Not that we don't have some significant weaknesses in regional economies, especially north of the downstate suburbs. But you know the challenge for us uh, is is that our expectations are very high, right? So in terms of expected revenue expectations, we saw that earlier uh, this year in January when Governor Cuomo and I announced that we were we were off. Uh, uh, New York State was up by like $2.3 billion in revenue versus our projections. And, and that was, I think, fair to say. The governor said it. I would tend to agree with him. Much of that had to do with a change in taxpayer behavior in response to the federal tax reform, particularly the you know, the, the cap on state and local tax deductibility. I think part of it also was the fact that December was a very uh, off month for the, for the financial markets. As you know, it was certainly a down, down month in December after many months of, of positive growth. We've regained uh, much of those losses uh, in in, uh, in January and February and going into March. But I, I think it's fair to say as we move forward in 2019, it's a less certain terrain for, for a host of reasons. If, you know, tomorrow the trade deals get worked out with China, that could certainly change, you know, some of the outlook. Uh, there's so many things happening from a geopolitical point of view around the world. You know, Brexit, which is, I don't know whether it's on the rails or off the rails after the vote. Uh, what will that mean? You know, for you know, for so there's there's a fair amount of uncertainty, but I think it's fair to say New York's still in a strong position, but we do see slower slower uh, growth both in terms of the economy, slower growth in terms of revenue coming to the state as well.
1: So let's stick with that revenue point because we're obviously in the heat of state budget season with a budget due by April first. So um, uh, I have two questions. I'll throw them both out there, but I can repeat (laughs) repeat the second uh, if needed. But the first is. this, this revenue coming in at $2.3 billion lower than, than forecast. Do we have a sense that that is in any way permanent or, you know, is that potentially just the first signs of, of some different taxpayer behavior that once we see taxes filed in April, we're going to have a much better sense of the fullness of the picture. Uh, Let me leave the first one out there first.
2: Well, I, you know, I, I certainly think we'll have more information in April. Whether we'll see, you know, a return in terms of of, of the numbers coming in meeting the earlier projections, I think that's unknown. Probably 2019 will will still be a year of 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 um, some. Um, Shake out or getting used to, uh, you know, the new the new tax code. I mean, I think everybody's going to their accountants now. I know I did, and I haven't gotten you know the the, the paperwork back yet. Yeah, we're all curious as to what it's all going to mean, and 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 you know, uh, many people, have been articles written about it when they when they've done their taxes this year. They're not getting the refunds they were used to. They probably were getting you know many of them were getting more money in their paycheck, but it, right. they were waiting for that refund. Right. Because, so people aren't sure what it means, and everybody's situation is different. I I would I would hope that April. You know, we'll see some rebound in the collections. We don't know that for sure, but that really underscores one of the challenges the legislature and the governor have now in closing down this budget. You know, we have a lot of expectations for you know for spending. The revenue is not coming in as we had expected earlier in the year. The next time we'll have real solid numbers is in April, and the budget is supposed to be done by April and first. So which that, kind of begs that, begs yes, that old question. yes, yes, yes. Okay. Should we change the fiscal
1: year. <laughs> and where are you on that? I mean, oh, that, oh, that's that, what, that was the yeah, second question. That was the second
2: question. <laughs> well, you know, we've talked about this in the past. I, mean, when I was in the legislature. I'm sure we I don't remember whether it was a June 1st or July 1st. We had a reform proposal to do that. You know, look, there's a logic to it. You, you want to have, uh, you know, harder numbers. Uh, one of the challenges is, you know, for school districts outside of the city, they vote on their their school budgets. So, you know, the timing issue is one that that may require some adjustment uh, because the budget. Yeah, everybody would have to adjust may a little and, bit. Yeah, yeah, maybe you would need to do two year budgeting for you know for education aid, which may not be a bad thing, and the, the, that's they, they've done that to an extent uh, the past few years anyway. So, I mean, I I always felt just looking at it logically, you know, New York. We're kind of out of whack with everybody. I don't know that anybody else has an uh, April 1st date, a date anymore. I think, I thought for a time there was another state that had April 1st, but most are on calendar year or July 1st is more typical. So so whether, you know, June 1st or July 1st, I certainly think it is worth looking at again. But as with any other big change like that, the first year would probably be a big transition and we'd have to make sure that we, we understand the implications of doing it differently, which probably means in the context of everything else everybody's fighting over, right? Now, the likelihood of that kind of reform happening anytime soon is probably that's, wishful thinking. Com- but from a logical the point of view, it, 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 well, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be a bad idea to look at it, though.
0: The change in taxpayer behavior you referenced when Governor Cuomo was discussing the $2.3 billion uh, projected shortfall, he opined that it was likely due to people leaving the state because of the changes in the way the Trump tax cut affected uh, SALT. And I'm wondering, are you seeing evidence of that? Is it in fact because people have left the state or is it just the tax liabilities have changed? Could there be other factors? Uh, Because that's an important uh, contention that that is in fact what's occurring.
2: Yeah, I think it's a combination of factors, and we probably need some more data from Department of Tax and Finance, which is separate from our office, so I don't have direct access to that information. But one of the other points that the governor made, I think it's important to keep in mind, we we sometimes lose track of this, 1% of New York taxpayers carry 46% of of the – personal income tax revenue that comes to the state so the reality is if you lose even a handful of those billionaires or multimillionaires, millionaires the ones that have a two or three houses somewhere else and can pretty quickly change their legal address and and avoid new york taxes it does have an impact and i think anecdotally so can't say scientifically but anecdotally we did lose some of those uh high high uh high wealth folks in response to the tax changes now whether that is over now uh you know there are many reasons to stay in new york even if you're paying high taxes and frankly not that I know that many billionaires, but most of them can afford the taxes. Let's be honest about it, right? So even if they have to pay a little more, the benefit of living in New York hopefully would outweigh uh, some additional cost. But I do think that that is a piece, and and probably a very significant piece of what's happening. But it's I think it's, we're just going to need more months of data in terms of the numbers, and to the extent that tax and finance, without violating confidentiality about you know people's personal information, can track you know that trend of of what's happening to those higher wealth New York that do carry a disproportionate share of the income tax uh, burden, we're not going to have a clear answer to that. I, my, my my instincts and what I've seen tells me the governor was on the right track in saying the biggest impact affecting taxpayer behavior has been the response to reaction to adjustment to the federal tax
0: reform. So if you are a billionaire who has left New York and are listening, please call in and, and tell us about it. <laughs> or if you are someone else who's maybe not a billionaire uh, and have a question for our guest, controller Tom DiNapoli here on Max Murphy, please give us a call i 209-207-2877 is the number.
1: Yeah, the phone lines are open to every percent, every member, every, <laughs> every, every gone, percent, right? um, and without, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I guess I, we just heard your take on this, but I was going to say, you know, I, I struggle a bit with this idea that um, you know the governor's out there talking a lot about uh, sort of conclusions that he seems to have come to around the impact here, when it's really anecdotal, as you said, and we just don't know oh. yet. Yeah. You know.
2: I would think it would be fair to say the governor is, is known for strong opinion. So I, I think, you know, I, I think right. he's looked at it and, he's, and, and that's, that's his judgment. Yeah. So, you
1: know. so, so, and I guess, you know, again, that would uh, be a little bit more impetus. This is not something I plan to campaign for, but a little more impetus to move, for moving the state fiscal year is what we're seeing now, you know, to to get a sense of, you know, if when there's major changes on the federal level, it's yep. another reason to, to have a better sense of tax season. Anyway, so we want to gauge your... Um, temperature on some of the things being discussed right now at the state level around revenue um, and forecast for the budget that they're deciding on. Um, so the governor has said he, he thinks that uh, marijuana legalization is not going to happen in the budget and that uh, there seems to be widespread agreement for this pied-à-terre tax to to slide in as a revenue raiser, basically. Uh, where are you at on that? Is that something you agree with? Are you worried at all that that will Persuade people from buying these expensive apartments that are mostly in New York City?
2: Well, I think they were setting the threshold at $5 million. So, again, I think when you get into certain categories, you know, a, 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 a little extra tax uh, is probably something. That if you could afford a $5 million pied-à-terre, uh, you, you could probably handle the, the the additional level of taxation. But nobody wants to raise taxes on anything. And so, you know, we, we have a revenue shortfall. We've got big, big-ticket items uh, where people want to see more spending or protect the spending that's there. We have the possible... Impact and the governor put out an analysis today, preliminarily, of if the if federal budget uh, cuts, particularly on health care, would ever come to pass, what the impact would be. You know, there, there's no simple, you know, answer on any of these things. There was, there was, as I understood it, there was never an expectation that that marijuana legalization was going to bring in money in the coming uh, fiscal year anyway. So right. I think that's less right. less of a budget issue. But uh, obviously, congestion pricing is uh, continues to be uh, controversial, and obviously, MTA funding is very important, and we do need an. Another the revenue source. There, it seemed to me the congestion pricing, even with the criticisms, was the solution that seemed to have the most support. Although I heard uh, this afternoon that several of the Hudson Valley uh, senators came out against it now in its current form. So, you know, um, you you have some very tough decisions. You know, the Assembly put in uh, higher taxes on, on 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 higher income New Yorkers, even beyond the, you know the surcharge that's there already. It's going to be very tough for them to get through all of this in the next two weeks and come up with the budget agreement, but I do hope that despite, you know, what seems to be very contentious right now, uh, that they that they do. I think it would be, I, as as we've gotten used to budgets being done basically on time, I, I think it would look very bad for us to go backwards, especially as we seem to be headed for more problematic uh, economic and revenue time. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, we, we don't have a seat at the table in this part of the, the, the discussions. You know, our job is to, after they decide how to spend the money, to follow how they're spending it and make sure they're doing it right. Right. But, um, you know, the numbers have to add up. So, if you want to restore some of the things the governor cut, or you want to add beyond what he had proposed, uh, you've got to come up with with the revenue. So that means either shifting the spending from somewhere else, or coming up with another revenue source. But at this point, you you have some very you have some very different sets of priorities about how to do that between the three players. Um, and I hope I hope some of the you know some of the rhetoric that's gotten a little pitched the past few days that that could be toned down a bit. I think that would that might help get a, a positive resolution.
0: Let's hear what. A caller has to say. Uh, hi, you're on the line with uh, Maxim Murphy. I'm Comptroller Tomton Apple. What's your question? Thank you so
2: much. Um, I wanted to know um, is a transaction tax for Wall Street uh, possible? Uh, from from the legislature in New York State, or does it have to be federal? And, and also, uh, when they talk about raising taxes or lowering taxes, they don't talk about for whom. Um, usually, it doesn't mean for the rich. And uh, are these millionaires that we're going to step up and pay more taxes? You remember a few years ago, there were these millionaires that said, we want to pay more. Are they yep. still around? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, some of them are, thanks, actually. Thanks for uh, your call. Yeah, some of them are. But, well, you know, t- I mean, to, to the latter point, the assembly, uh, you know, budget resolution does call for uh, higher higher tax brackets on our upper, upper-income New Yorkers. So that very clearly would be for folks at the upper end. You know, the, the issue of the transaction uh, tax there's always been a lot of concern about what impact that will have on on the finance sector. And, and as I understand uh, the two budget resolutions, certainly the governor's budget, that's that's not on the table at the moment.
1: And and just in terms of um, what you've mentioned. A couple of times in terms of the assembly, including in their one house budget resolution, a little bit more of a progressive tax system. But all the parties involved seem to be on the same page about extending the current millionaires' yeah. tax. And the assembly is looking to to add additionally to that. But it does not seem like there's appetite in the Senate for that. And certainly the governor has right. not been has not been behind right.
2: that. Yeah, the current surcharge will be extended for uh, I think it was five years, which is a longer time frame because that's, that's been around for a while and it, it kind of gets. Re- renewed year to year or two years. This would be a longer term extension of it, which would give more certainty as far as revenue. And under the assembly's proposal, they would actually add three new higher tax brackets to how they define as the, the super wealthy. They estimate that'll raise about $1.3 billion in addition to that Piano a tax that you mentioned earlier.
0: So I want to move to the pension just for a second to make sure we have time to sure. talk about this. And I'm, I'm curious if you could update us on the work of the uh, decarbonization advisory panel. Decarbonization yeah. is a yeah. word I, I have not yet used today. <laughs> um, but tell us uh, tell us what they've been up to.
2: Uh, they, they've been working really hard, and we're, we're really benefiting from uh, their very devoted efforts. Uh, they're, they're, they're all smart. They're experts. They're doing it on a volunteer basis. We had another conference call today, actually, uh, with some uh, European counterparts. Parts, talking about uh, some of the interesting work they're doing uh, in this area in uh, in northern Europe so the the, the work continues uh, there's at least one more meeting scheduled I am hoping that because um, it's probably coming up to close to a year now that, that the this uh, wonderful group of people have been meeting and talking so I am hoping that they will be coming up with recommendations in the next month or so and I, I, I'm expecting it to be helpful as we continue our effort to uh, decarbonize our portfolio in a response way that recognizes that, that our ultimate responsibility uh, is to the 1.1 million New Yorkers who are part of our pension fund. You you, you might have seen that we just had this week two more agreements with two uh, companies, Dollar General and Under Armour, to uh, agree to come up with a uh, a response to the issue of climate and how they're going to uh, reduce their carbon footprint. So we continue to make progress with our engagements, and we're looking forward to uh, some good recommendations from the decarbonization panel.
1: I have one more quick question, and then we'll, we'll get you out of here, and we appreciate the time. Um, but I just wanted to note, you know, your your philosophy on investment in, um, you know, companies and trying to influence them to reduce their carbon footprint, but not divesting in total is sort of reminding me of the discussion around Amazon and unionization and sort of bringing them into New York City and trying to influence them from bringing them closer as opposed to rejecting them. And I I don't necessarily, um, you know need need you to weigh in on that comparison but it just reminded me of sort of the philosophical some of the philosophical um beliefs that you've you know you've sort of explained to your approach um beyond you know being sort of responsible uh fiscally but let me ask you about education aid real quick um Mm -hmm. the citizens budget commission has come out um you know with with recommendations around the fact that saying you know really state aid does not need to be increased all across the board but it's really certain districts that should be targeted with increases of of state aid and that would be much more fiscally responsible for the state where do you come in on that
2: you know, I know we have limited time. We could spend <laughs> several shows on this. Just real quick, when I when I first was elected to the legislature, one of my platforms was we were going to get our fair share of state aid for our school districts. And I represented north shore of Long Island, you know, not viewed as an area uh, uh, that's stressed as far as providing quality education. But still many people felt we were getting short changed by the state because a very small percentage of the budget was funded by by state money and had a big impact in terms of property taxes. And when I went to Albany and I'm sitting in the Democratic conference, everybody around me ran on the same platform. Got to get our fair share. Fair and what is equitable very much sits, you know, uh, with the eye of the beholder. Uh, my, my overall point of view was that absolutely money alone will not solve the problems that we have in our schools. There's a lot more involved in that. However, money does make a big difference. And we need to do a better job of targeting the money that we do have to districts that are at risk and students, regardless of what district that they're in, because there are some students that are at risk for various reasons. They may be residing in what is considered a wealthy community, but they're not getting adequate services. So so I, I do think we need more rationality in how we, how we put out school aid. We do have to have a sense of equity, but we also have to understand that depending on where you live in the state, you have a very different uh, definition of, of, of what that means. And particularly for school districts outside of the city, uh, you know, where, where property taxes largely are what fund the schools. It is as much an education equity issue as it is a taxation issue that drives the discussion. And that's why it's always been so difficult to come up with a formula that is viewed as being fair and, and is viewed as as getting to to the great needs. You you have tremendous needs in the city. You you go to a Rochester, a Buffalo, a Syracuse, an Albany, you've got percentages of of, of, of children in poverty and, and having real issues when they get into the schools that we much we need to do a much better job on. So to the extent that those recommendations would perhaps help those districts more than we have in the past, I, I, I certainly think that's that's worthy of our, our giving a very serious consideration to it.
1: Okay. We're going to leave it there with State Comptroller Tom DiNapoli. Thanks very much for spending some time with us.
2: I hope we get to do it again soon. Absolutely. Keep in touch with us. All right. All right. Thanks Take a lot. Care.
1: You're listening to Max and Murphy on WBAI 99.5 FM, WBAI.org. This has been Max from Gotham Gazette with Jarrett Murphy of City Limits. We just spoke with State Comptroller Tom DiNapoli, who is in charge of overseeing the state's Fiscal picture, uh, a lot of interesting thoughts there. Anything stand out to you particularly, Jarrett? Uh,
0: you know, I think he was c- cautious about characterizing the economic outlook. Um, I think there's so much uncertainty around the economic future of the state in terms of growth, around the impact of the Trump tax cuts, around whether we're actually losing wealthy residents, um, and uh, the comptroller's perhaps is 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 standard practice for a comptroller. Uh, you know, being being careful about uh, trying to des- describe um, definitively exactly what's facing the state, even though a lot of that is is really very central to the discussions about um, local economy and the state economy and, and certainly the state budget.
1: What do you think about this idea of moving the state fiscal year? I mean, it, seems, it makes a lot of sense to me. I, I, it's sort of hard to believe that the state fiscal year starts April 1st. And as the Comptroller said, New York might be the only state that does it before tax season comes in?
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, very strange. Uh, I think it's obviously something you're very passionate about, so I'm going to oppose it so we can <laughs> finally now. disagree on something. Um but yeah, it is. It's a, It's an oddity, and uh, you know, I think it. Um, yeah, it introduces another element of uncertainty into into it, and I think also creates a truncated, especially in years like this, where you have people coming into to office for a new time and committees getting set up, um, a fairly truncated process for arriving at a budget, um, especially since in New York State, which I think is unique, so many policy issues are tied up in the budget, and that's basically when. 90% of the important policy yeah. decisions take place. Doing that in a few months is is tricky. Having a couple extra months might be handy.
1: Right. Well, I mean, they have they they have, you know, Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty has said this recently. He said, you know, I was more in favor of jamming policy compromises into the budget when we had a split legislature. But now that we don't, there's no reason we shouldn't be able to continue the legislative negotiations post-budget. They do have until mid-June when their session ends. So, you know, that's just sort of an Albany dysfunction issue. I think more than anything else and the fact that they like to cram all this stuff in that they decide behind closed doors at the last minute Um, but hopefully some of that is changing.